Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go and give us a baller rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to and loving the Tome Show for years, weeks, months, whatever it is, go and give us a rating because that one rating will help us out a ton. It will take less than one minute of your time. In fact, I've started doing shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. All right, so today's review comes from listener Hobson1975. Hobson says, long-time listener from the 4E origins of the Tome Show. First time writing up a rating. By far, one of the best D&D podcasts available. You guys do great work getting a timely show on the latest, greatest news in the D&D community. Keep up the good work. Hey, Hobson, thank you so much for going and writing us up a rating on iTunes. As you can see from Hobson's example, your first time doing it is just like your hundredth time. Super easy. Anybody can get out there and do it. Be like Hobson. Be a cool guy. Make me say anything. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where out of print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell them your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. My product pick from Noble Knight for this episode is the PC game Neverwinter Nights. It is a classic, one of my favorites. I have poured hours into this thing. Using the 3rd edition D&D rules, this game is a classic, which still stands up pretty well against the test of time. Save the Sword Coast and discover the hidden secrets of Neverwinter by building a player character, fighting foes, avoiding traps, looting bodies, and more in this classic isometric RPG from BioWare. It's only four bucks from Noble Knight at the time of this recording. Get it right now at noblenight.com. Let's hear a quick word from them. Hello, I'm RPG podcasting celebrity James Intracasso. As you know, my life is awesome. My gaming collection is filled with out-of-print goodies no one else can seem to get their hands on. I have plenty of free time to record podcasts, write blog posts, play games, and hunt the most dangerous game. I have tons of extra cash, which is evident in my caviar-filled swimming pool for the guest house of my third home in the Swiss Alps. And my mother is proud of me because I managed to do all this while supporting small businesses. My secret? NobleKnight.com. A brick-and-mortar game store that has a great online presence. So I feel good shopping there, but I can buy anything, anytime, just by walking to my computer. I don't even need to put on my gold-plated pants. At Noble Knight, they have new and out-of-print products at a discounted price to give me more cash for reckless celebrity activities like bear shaving. And Noble Knight will buy back the old products I'm not using anymore which funds my tiger shaving. So, if you want more money, more free time, a better game collection, and a better you, check out noblenight.com, where out-of-print is available again. 
and tell them Big Jimmy from the Tome Show sent you. Today, we're talking about the 5th edition SRD being coupled with Hero Lab and the latest D&D survey results. Let's meet our awesome panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What is the best meal to eat during a game? Rudy Basso, welcome back to the roundtable. Thank you, James. So during the holidays, a number of years back, we were all meeting up for what was essentially the end of our fourth edition campaign. And if you're playing fourth edition right, the end of your campaign should, of course, be against Orcus. So we were wondering, what's the best thing we can eat with it? And um, since it was around the holidays, turduckins were in stock at many local groceries. (laughs) So we had to have a turduckin. I mean... There's nothing more epic to eat when having the most epic battle in 4th edition than three kinds of poultry. If you have a special, special occasion, it wasn't like, it was like 10 bucks each for the party in the DM. You gotta go to your duck and you got, it's, it's a, it's a memorable meal for a memorable session. I, I agree. It is If I had to answer this question, I would say the same thing. The turducken was an epic meal and the right way to take down Orcus. It gave you all that fuel you needed for all those at-will powers you were slinging. Absolutely. <laughs> and Alex Basso is also with us. Alex, welcome back to the roundtable. Yeah. Uh, my answer, it's not, not nearly epic. Uh, it's actually very common, but I think of all the meals we've had, this is probably still the easiest. And that's just pizza. Get some pizza. Pizza's great because uh, one of the most annoying things when you're eating and playing, I think, is the, like, 30-minute break that it takes a lot of people to maybe serve themselves with pizza. You just walk up there, you grab a slice, you go back, and you sit down. Yeah, it's nonstop. Don't even need to grab a plate in many cases. Uh, Probably should grab a plate, but you don't need utensils. Uh, It's, you know, it's greasy, but not that greasy. It's not that messy. The person sitting next to you, use their character sheet as a plate. Works out great, especially if they're using an iPad. Just wipe that thing off when you're done. Boom. Keep on playing. Us Northeasterners, no. You know, we have great pizza, too. I don't know if Papa John's or Pizza Hut would be... Good. Let let me take a moment to speak to all the people in the Washington, D.C. metro area for a moment. If you are eating Lido pizza during your games, just stop it. That pizza is terrible. Okay? Us people from the Northeast, we know what delicious pizza tastes eh, like. You know, if you like pizza or wherever it's from, enjoy it. I'm not going to no, be a superior. I'm going to be a pizza elitist over Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Pizza's pizza. Well, that's, okay. I mean, that's true. Even when it's bad, it's good. Uh, so I, I have to agree with you about that. But Lido Pizza, you're dead to me. And uh, we, should also, uh, we should also say, Alex, that you were there for the epic turducken. I was there for the turducken. And I think you failed to mention it was like sausage stuffing in it as well. So there was more than just uh, three that's birds. True. That's true. Four mates. <laughs> birds and a pig. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it was like a like a beef pork combo sausage, which uh, would mean, uh, yeah. you know, we were rocking an extra animal. Well, my favorite men, the Bassos, are here with me uh, to talk about, and not just delicious poultry and pizza, uh, we are also talking about Hero Lab. 
who recently updated their character building software with the 5th edition SRD. Uh, We should mention that this is just the things that are in the SRD, which means it is a limited character building experience, and we are definitely going to get into all of that, and that they also plan on using the monsters in the SRD to update their monster builder, their encounter builder, that kind of thing. Um, All of that stuff is still coming, uh, so we're sort of doing a little bit of a limited review, uh, and we should also mention that the kind folks at Lone Wolf Development uh, gave us review copies of the software to check out. Uh, so thanks very much to them uh, for that. Uh, so we're going to talk, we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about Hero Lab. Uh, I built a level 20 monk and a bunch of other characters to sort of uh, see how this thing worked and, and pick it apart and everything. Uh, I have played around in Hero Lab before, but since... I've, you know, I didn't really know about it until 5th edition came around, and they just got 5th edition, so I've never really used it in earnest. Um, Checking it out, uh, I thought that the overall experience, given the current limitations of them just working with the system reference document because they don't have an official license with Wizards of the Coast, uh, I I would say was overall pretty positive. Um, I'm excited to see what more they can do. And uh, if you guys have listened to past episodes of the Roundtable, you know they are working on trying to secure an official license so they can get even deeper into it. But that being said, we want to talk about the product as it exists right now. Uh, So we are going to really get into it. Let's get overall impressions before we sort of dive into the specifics. Um, Rudy Basso, what did you think of Hero Lab with the 5th edition SRD? I do want to say, first off, that I think 5th edition is an incredibly simple system to sit down with your PHB and make the character. That's just something I want to say. And, you know, your mileage may vary whether you think you need something like this or not, but I think it does bear, um, or it is worth noting. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, I think this is a fine little program. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's good. Like you said, the limitations are there because of the SRD. That's not a knock on them. That's the way it is at the moment. But it does a great job of just laying out what it is to make a character at the moment. And, you know, it's very streamlined. It's very simple to use. And uh, a lot of the, they went the extra mile and put the descriptions of a lot of these things in word for word, which is very, very helpful. Yeah, overall positive. With that uh, initial caveat that I, I stated that, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I personally probably would not use something like this because i do think it's so easy if this was fourth edition then i would absolutely encourage people to check out a character builder but that's just my personal opinion it's got nothing wrong with the program yeah i agree with you i think if you are looking for a character builder this is a really great program to help you do that Uh, that being said i do think a lot of people feel the same way like i don't really need a, a character builder for fifth edition especially since you know, since launch, there hasn't been a book coming out every month with new spells and feats and items that you have to choose from, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, so I, I agree, uh, especially with kind of the limitations of the SRD. If you were going to build something with just the SRD, it would be even simpler uh, than <laughs> exactly, building yeah. it from the PHB. Uh, Alex Basso, uh, what were your sort of overall impressions? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to agree here uh, with Rudy and you as well, James. I, I think it is a, a solid program. Uh, I love how everything's laid out. Just the, 
you know, it's just a couple simple tabs on top. Well, I guess more than a couple, about a dozen. But it's really like at first I thought, oh man, this is going to be kind of intimidating. Uh, but you know, it took me like maybe less than five minutes to really get a good feel for it. And there's a, I mean, all the SRDs in there. It's all very detailed, and you know, everything is there you needed. It. it all calculates it up for you. It makes your your character sheet. So, I mean, I love that. It's I haven't you know used a character builder for years now. Whenever we last played Fourth Edition, we were so, in that turducken. Yeah, we were in that turducken. Uh, so I, I definitely I really liked it and. It's overall, honestly, I think it's better than the fourth edition character builder uh, that are mm-hmm. uh, easier to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one thing we were talking about it before. Uh, it's kind of like th- there's not much fluff to it. There's no kind of <laughs> yeah. presentation. Uh, one thing I immediately I kind of missed was when you do on the character builder for fourth edition, you'd have like the little picture of your character right mm-hmm. off the start in the top right. And you could always kind of get an idea of, oh, that's the guy I'm making. Look at him. He looks so cool. Uh, so there's nothing like that. But, um, you know, honestly, I don't really need it. It's kind of, a, it's annoying. It's not there. But, you know, I just need the program. And it's a good program. Yeah, Alex, you know, to that point, James, I think of two years ago at Gen Con when we were demoed Dungeonscape, which I think at the time was Project or they just announced it was Dungeonscape. That doesn't matter. Right, right. Um, one of the things that impressed me so much was the amount of art in the way that it's presented. Like there's something inspiring about flipping through portraits of what a race looks like or what a class looks like and seeing something that just clicks in your mind. And you say, yes, I want to make that because that looks cool to choose from a pull down tab with description is for veteran players. Absolutely. Like, you know, whatever I know what a half elf is, but if I was a new player and uh, someone had suggested I check this out, I still might not have an idea of what exactly everything is. And that's kind of a disappointment. You know, the the presentation is certainly not going to blow you away. However, I agree with Alex, too, that, um, you know, it is a super intuitive system that they have set up. Uh, you know, it, it is very easy to learn. But I think you're right. There is there is not a lot of presentation there. There's no real art or anything in this. And I think the people at Lone Wolf would be the first to tell you, you know, what we're going for is a simple system that works really well, that anybody can sit down and make a character, um, you know, and, and we're not, you know, spending too much time on presentation and that kind of thing. We want to make sure that you have all of the latest features and we're updating all our systems regularly, um, which I think is great. You know, they because they weren't messing around with a lot of art or anything, they were able to put this out very, very quickly uh, after the, you know, the, the OGL was announced. But it would be cool to see, especially over time, maybe that look gets a little sleeker at the very least. And, you know, it, like you said, Rudy, I think... You're right. Seeing, having those things to reference like, oh, okay, this isn't a Keebler elf. It's one of the, you know, a tall, (laughs) noble, graceful elf. Like, I do think that that helps people who maybe aren't as familiar with fantasy. Um, And those are most often, I find, the people who use a lot of character builders and don't sit down with pen and paper to make them are people who are new to the game because character builders can help with that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really had a great time playing around in this. 
And let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, things that we, we really liked about this. And then we'll get into maybe some things that we felt were a little lacking. And we'll talk about kind of the SRD overall then at the end, if that works for you guys. What did you really, really love uh, about this? And Alex, why don't we start with you? Uh, I loved making a spellcaster. Yes, you stole mine. (laughs) (laughs) Like the you mentioned before, yeah, fifth edition. It's it's a lot easier. You could easily or you can you know make a character much faster than fourth edition, right? Except for high level spellcasters, which could take forever. (laughs) Uh, The fact that you just have all your spells laid out there. Like I was just picking spells by names, and then if just to double check, I would go into my character sheet and read the description. And I feel like even that is just quicker than going through my book, searching, you know, alphabetical order to find exactly what spells I want. It makes the process a lot faster. So if you're someone who plays a wizard and maybe, you know, I don't know, someone who makes a lot of high-level wizards and clerics just for uh, one-shots, this is an awesome tool. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about that because it really is great if you are playing a spellcasting class and pretty much every class has some sort of spell casting or spell like ability build, um, except for maybe the barbarian. Yeah. The uh, barbarian. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, you know, uh, one of the, one of the groups that I play in with you, Alex, uh, has everyone is a spell caster of some sort, except for your piece. Except for me. Yeah. 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 And it would be really, really great for things like that because, uh, it does help. Having that quick reference there is so good. And the fact that there aren't really any, you know, searchable PDFs. I mean, I guess you could bring up the SRD and, and search it now these days if you wanted to. But this just makes it a lot easier. It's it's even less clunky than, than searching a PDF. You know, you just click on the spell, boom, it's right there. You have the description. And it's way easier to select the spells you want, too, when you're leveling up or whatever, rather than go through page after page after page, you can, like you said, you can just pick them based on their title and then go in and say, oh yeah, this is how I thought this spell worked. And uh, I'm glad that I have Fireball now. Uh, Rudy, you were going to say the same thing, huh? Uh, I was, but I'll I'll say something else. Uh, The amount of gear and magic items, like Mm -hmm. that's something that's going the extra mile. Typing up each individual item in its full description like someone, or maybe you could just copy paste it, I guess. <laughs> but still, someone had to go through, categorize everything, which is done very nicely. Um, put in the rarity of an item. And it's just fun to to flip through and see all these different things. That's one thing that, uh, as a dungeon master, is incredibly useful. And as a player, it's nice to see every single potion and be like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to try and seek out. Um it's just one of those things that makes your life a lot easier, and that's what you really want when you when you have some sort of character builder or or uh, program like this. That includes weapons and armor and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It totally, totally does include um, you know weapons and armor and great magic items, and uh, I I love that that all of that is in there, and I also kind of love it because uh, the only way for players to see magic items previously was really to buy the DMG. Um, so, and this is a yes. great way to <laughs> to see a bunch of magic items for less than the cost of the DMG, um, which is good because I think you know obviously I know. 
some people like to keep that all in the hands of the DM. But I do like it when players have an idea or or have a character who is seeking a specific item that can add to the story, right? Um, you know, which I think is is pretty cool. So they certainly got all of the SRD in there that they mm-hmm. could get in there, right? Um, yep. You know, and for the most part, for me, I really loved the the math seemed pretty smooth. A lot of the calculations. Uh, seemed like they were there and were up to snuff. I always had problems with the fourth edition character builder. Something would not be calculated correctly, you know? Um, it, and the higher up you got, the, the worse the math got. The only thing I noticed, um, uh, as far as math goes was I, when I built that monk, um, I built him with a high dexterity, uh, and his unarmed strike. So a monk's unarmed strike isn't a finesse weapon, but you can use dexterity for the attack and damage. Uh, and I forget why they make that distinction. So I think because it's not listed as finesse, his unarmed strike, they kept calculating the strength for it. But that was really the only thing that I found in, in building all the characters and stuff where the math seemed wrong. Which I think, again, is it that's a hard thing to do. And knowing what I know about Hero Lab and the people at Lone Wolf, they put out, they read the forums a bunch. They are constantly squashing bugs and they put out a ton of updates. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if little problems like that get fixed over time, uh, which is great. You know, it's great to know that there are people out there listening. And if worse comes to worse, the next time Liz Tice is on, we can, uh, we can complain to her. One other thing I wanted to point out is that the di- the deity list is, I thought it was just really cute. They put like, the Egyptian and the Greek and the Celtic and the Norse. Mm-hmm. It was just a nice little touch that was totally um, like a thing they did on their own. I mean, obviously these aren't Forgotten Realms gods, but you know, here's these guys. If your if your group wants to use some of these more well known gods, and uh, it's just a nice little thing. Cool, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and what's great about that is I think a lot of homebrew settings they do turn to that because who wants to build an entire religion? You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's I uh, yeah the one campaign we did with Greek gods was my favorite because I actually knew what the gods were who they were <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah and I think that makes perfect sense right and it's it's great everybody knows and we're off to the races boom we can we can go from there so yeah uh, I love it what didn't you guys like uh, about Hero Lab um, aside from the the limitations of the SRD what uh what things were you like eh, about uh, Rudy let's start with you I, I don't know, James. I don't know. It's fine. Like the lack of art really bothers me. It really does. I and I, maybe that's not a design goal of there. That's fine. I understand. But I'm the kind of person that that really appeals to me. Looking at some of the other licenses, it doesn't look like that's what they want to do. But it's just it's something I I really do wish wish was there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, I think that's great that you are having trouble coming up with something other than the, the SRD limitation, which is the elephant in the room. We're definitely going to get. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about you, Alex? Was there anything sort of uh, that you didn't like uh, beyond the, the lack of art in the SRD? Yeah. I guess my, my minor nitpick that I'm just, I just want to say something here is when you add a class in, you have to separately go to journal to add XP. Mm. Right. Come on. That's like, <laughs> You're making me spend like 10 extra seconds there. <laughs> Why can't XP just be on the class tab? 
You know, I, so I agree with you. It would be cool if XP was on the class tab. But I also liked that when you were trying to figure out what to do on the class tab, like clicking on stuff, it told you to go to the journal tab. Yes, it told me exactly. Yeah, so. I was like, well, wow, that's pretty awesome that you know what I'm looking for. I think overall, right, we're saying the software is awesome. Uh, I think if you want a character builder, this is the one to get. We know that Lone Wolf is trying to secure a license with Wizards of the Coast. Um, we also know that they allow for, in addition to all of the things that are in there, they allow people to enter their own information. You can enter your own backgrounds. You can enter your own class descriptions and features and races and stuff like that. And they also allow for fan-made creations to be shared um, throughout their various forums and things like that for, for free, which is awesome. And we know that there is going to be a, you know, an, an encounter builder, a monster builder, that kind of thing coming for all of this. Uh, so with that said, man, the limitations of the SRD Make this a tough sell. Every class just has one archetype or build that you can follow. There's a single background. Uh, there's n All of the feats are not there, that kind of thing. It makes Lone Wolf's job a lot tougher to sell this thing, I think. Um, you know, until the fans really get behind it or until they secure that license. Uh, do you guys uh, agree? Uh, Rudy, what do you think? Yeah, it really is crippling. You know, I think there's enough diversity within the classes that the one archetype is not that huge of an issue. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got a bunch of classes here. Everyone can be something different. Um, the main thing for me is the backgrounds. And not a lot of people may agree with me, but the background for me is just as important as the class. And the fact that there's only one in here mm -hmm. means that unlike classes where there's diversity, there is no diversity. And okay, Alex just said disagree in chat, so he obviously disagrees. Um, I'm sure you can use your class as a background guide too, but but um, only having one background really is a bummer. And you can definitely add your own. In fact, one of the pre-gen characters they included, the background is custom and circus performer, and they added you know ability or um, not abilities, uh, proficiencies and in, in flaws and bonds. So you can always make your own up, and that's certainly not difficult. But again, for a new player or a new group, that's that's a big bummer. That's a big bummer. It's not super, super hard to uh, enter your own backgrounds. But again, I, for a character builder, it's nice to not have to have the book open, right? It's nice to have all the options there. You can just start pulling them in and, and that kind of thing. Uh, Alex, uh, so you disagree with Rudy that the background, the lack of backgrounds is the worst thing. What do you think is the worst thing? Oh, no, I was disagreeing that backgrounds are more important than characters. I didn't say more. Oh, I see. <laughs> you said equally. <laughs> equally. I don't even, they're not even close. Oh. Uh, anyway, well, that's no. a, that is another podcast where we could debate the heck out of, because I'm with Rudy. I think, I mean, yeah, the SRD is clearly, I don't know, crippling. The thing to me is, I really don't feel like I'd use this if I, you know, for non-spellcasting classes. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, there's still a ton of spells here. Uh, the spellcaster archetypes, I feel like they're not as, they're, they're important, but not as important. Uh, maybe I'm, eh, they're still important. Uh, I think as a tool just for spellcasting, you get a lot more out of it than you do for making, uh, you know, a fighter or a, a monk or whatever with only the one archetype. So it's still got that part to it. So it's still got its use to me. 
Yeah, and I do, you know, I do think they do make it easy to add things. There, there is this, you know, ability for uh, fans to create stuff. Um, there's going to be more coming out for it. The tactical console is a nice, neat little feature that mm. they have. Yes, if you're DMing, talk about that. It's essentially an initiative counter that a DM can use if all of your other players have created their characters in. Hero Lab, you can import them into the initiative counter. It'll roll initiative for you automatically. If someone holds, you can move them down. It's just a nice little feature if you don't want to actually – if you're at the, at a table with other people and don't want to, like, write it out or whatever. So it's nice. It's a nice little thing that they didn't have to add, but they did anyway. So thank you for that. They can actually integrate – uh, combat uh, with your int- like within your party and with monsters and the DM and stuff really yeah, really flows. Yeah, I, I don't well. think that's in there yet. No. I think that is a thing to come, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So knowing knowing that we are at the very least going to get the encounter builder, the monster builder, you know, sort of great integration with with combat and stuff, and knowing that. This would be for a first time purchase thirty bucks. If you already have Hero Lab, it's twenty bucks to add the D and D five E SRD, um, and you can obviously use it with Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, Mutants and Masterminds, a ton of other systems. Um, uh, do you guys think this is a? If somebody wants a character builder, is this a purchase that you would recommend? I'd say at the moment, I can't. 100% recommend it mm-hmm. um, just because there is still so much missing. But at the same time, I feel it's only there's only going to add more. So it's sure. definitely something I'd say keep your eye on. Um, if, you, if you're someone who finds themselves making a lot of spellcasters or high-level characters, you know, it could be useful. Um, sure. You know, I, I would have loved having it, uh, you know, two months ago when we did our level 21 shot. I made a monk that was the, uh, the archetype here. Oh, so nice. that would have saved me some time. So, it, you know, it's going to be obviously – more some people will get more mileage of it out of it than others but uh, i think eventually it's going to be a greater pro- you know a really good product so keep your eye on it yeah i agree with alex i would i would say hang tight until either they add some more third party content like i know wolfgang bauer and they were discussing possibly adding things like tome of beasts or if if they get that official license that'll be great that this is just as good as the fourth edition character builder, which I personally thought was fantastic. Uh, Both iterations, um, the downloadable one and the one that was listed on their website. If you're the kind of person that wants, again, I I love sitting down with the, you know, when we did our level 20, I had a ton of fun making him from scratch with the book. Yeah. I don't know. Cause then the items are fantastic and the weapons, it really helps. So yeah, I would say just, you got to wait and see what, what they can get. Uh, licensed. If you remember though, Rudy, when we were talking about making characters for that, I said don't make a spellcaster because it will take. Oh. It probably would have taken as long as it took us to play that adventure. <laughs> uh, yes, I have made uh, a couple of level twenty spellcasters for the Tarask takedown and um, the Tiamat takedown, and I absolutely wish I had this. Um, <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're making a cleric or a wizard or a warlock, you know, this would just save so much time. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think this is definitely going to be a great product as the features develop and as people create stuff. I, you know, either way, it, it, the fans are going to do it or, uh, they're going to come through with this license for Wizards of the Coast. Um, so I think, you know, I think people should be excited and get on it. And if you're looking for a character builder, this is definitely the one to watch. Um, and if you're on the fence, I am with these guys. Uh, stay tuned to it because there is going to be some good stuff coming from Hero Lab. And, uh, I think you will really like what you get if, uh, you know, again, if you're, if you're on the fence. But if you want a character builder right now and don't care about the SRD limitations, I certainly say go for it, especially if you're playing other role-playing games. Um, you know, I can't imagine building a character in Pathfinder with so many source books. I feel like you would need this. Uh, so, uh, so definitely go ahead and, uh, and at the very least check out Hero Lab. Um, we will link it over in the show notes, uh, at the tomeshow.com and, uh, come let us know what you think over there in the comments or at facebook.com slash the tome show. We want to know what do you think about the fifth edition SRD and Hero Lab together? Um, we're going to move on to our second topic here. Uh, very briefly, we're going to talk about the 2016 February survey article uh, that came out. We're not actually going to talk about the February survey. Uh, we are going to talk about the results of some past surveys. As usual, we have the normal uh, sort of vagaries. Uh, there are some specific numbers uh, within here. Um, they talked about uh, the rune scribe and the uh, prestige magic that the rune scribe sort of met with mostly positive results. However, the idea of prestige classes overall Overall, were met, uh, you know, they were met sort of wholeheartedly by people who still play third edition. No surprise, um, <laughs> but only sixty percent of players uh, overall said they want them in fifth edition. Uh, so uh, let me talk to you guys about prestige classes because we didn't really play a ton of third. Um, you guys mostly came in and in, in fourth, uh, which didn't have prestige classes. But you might argue that Paragon Paths and Epic Destinies are, are kind of like those. What do you think about uh, uh, prestige classes? Do you want to see them in fifth edition? Uh, and if so, like how do do you want to see them implemented traditionally? Do you want to see them as a once you hit epic level kind of thing? Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Alex? It's tough. I mean, I like and I don't like them. I really don't enjoy multiclassing like at all. And I, I always want to try and whenever possible, stay within my class, even if it's like a, even if there's more of an advantage to, to go into something else and try out other classes. So that's why I'm, I'm opposed to prestige classes because I want to stay whatever I'm starting with. But at the same time, like they're really cool. Like the rune master class is awesome. I, I really liked it. It's got me on the fence. You know, do I want this cool thing or do I want to, you know, just go with my natural inclination to just stay in my class so overall, I, I would like them to try and explore other ways. Um, I really like the fourth edition way of, you know, you had your class choices at Paragon tier and Epic tier, um, and you could have variety within the class besides your just initial choice like you do now with your archetype. So if they could have more choices down the line, that may get too complicated. I don't know. I'd like to see them explore other options before they're set on prestige classes being, being a thing that's going to exist. 
I think Receipt glasses are super cool. <laughs> like Alex, my natural inclination is to not move outside my class, which means you need to put something in front of me that makes me want to multi-class, which is what a prestige class is. I love the idea of bouncing around and being someone who has different levels. But again, it's level 20 stuff is so cool when you're anything. So it's hard to bounce around. But the prestige class is that. It is something that'll make me move outside my comfort zone. And that's always exciting to me. So I am in full support of um, having them be, you know, you, you, a requirement for certain levels. Um, but I would also wouldn't mind the Paragon equivalent of once you hit a certain level, you get to choose a different archetype. I like, you know, I, I just like choices. Um, and uh, I'm beginning to come to that realization as a barbarian at our last session when I was just hitting things over and over again that I wish I could do more. And um, prestige would would probably let me do more. So that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm in support. I'm in favor. Uh, I have to agree with you guys. Uh, I think I want to see them, but I want to see them done well, and I want to see them done right. Third edition had such a glut of them. There's a list on Wikipedia we talked about when we we talked about the Unearthed Arcana article that introduced prestige classes. Um, and it is long, and some of them are quite hilarious, uh, like Master Thrower. Um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, that's great. Yeah, and those are, you know, those are just the ones officially published by Wizards of the Coast. Um, so there were tons more in all of the OGL material and stuff. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the the sort of second half of this report where they talked about the uh, Underdark-themed uh, subclasses uh, that we talked about on uh, this show. Um, they said that everything from the article was highly rated, especially the Shadow Sorceress Origin, which I believe uh, we talked about, and we talked about their ability to, to summon all sorts of shadow hounds and, and stuff like that. Um, they also talked about how roleplay elements that they added were the most welcome features, and that uh, that the fighting styles were rated high, uh, but they tended to also have some more negative reactions versus neutral reactions. Um, so I, I don't think there's uh, too much going on here that we would be surprised about or anything. It seems like mostly in agreement with the two of you. Uh, so uh, what do you think they're going to do? I know we talked about this last time. What do you think they're going to do with this Unearthed Arcana stuff? Do we think we're going to see it in... Is it playtest for future individual products? Or do you think we're going to see like an Unearthed Arcana book, which used to be, it was a book that they put out in third and second, and, you know, um, it would have options like these for characters. Do you think that maybe they're building towards a big release like that? Or is this all smaller parts of other releases? Uh, let's start with you, Rudy. Uh, I'm just so I just want to say I'm so happy that people were positive on the Undying Light patron because I'm still in love with that uh, mm -hmm. archetype and I think it's the best. And I'm not surprised to hear that people thought that the fighting styles were OP because my <laughs> goodness, uh, they were insane. Um, I don't know because the Arcana stuff is all, you know, you've got modern stuff in one article and then you have Underdark stuff and then you have like Dark Sun feelings like... They're bouncing all over. Will they do an Unearthed Arcana book? Is there enough of a theme 
Like, I don't know, previous Arcana, Unearthed Arcana, were they as all over the place as a compendium of uh, these would be? Yeah, yeah. They, they were? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> then great. Sounds great. <laughs> uh, there's some really, really cool ideas in, in these articles, and I would absolutely love for them to be official. I remember that ranger. That ranger was neat, too. So, yeah, go for it. Nice. Rudy nice. approves. That's <laughs> I, what they've been waiting for, right? <laughs> I think so. Now now they can get to the presses. Uh, all right, boys, we can publish. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Basso, what about you? What do you think they're going to do with all this stuff? Yeah, I, I thought I think that they're probably just going to hold on to it until, uh, you know, the thematically appropriate book that they can release. You know, whenever the Underdark book or the, didn't, did the Underdark book come out? Sorry. <laughs> I guess I mean, the adventure. The Sword Coast book has a stuff on the Underdark, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a small section on it. Well, I don't know. It's tough because they seem like they're so. Their tar- their goal now is everything's so thematic. Everything so fits together so well. Whenever they release a product, so I, I'm really, I I really would be surprised if they just release Honor Fercana. Here's whatever. Here's all the stuff we thought was cool. Check it out. Um, I'd expect them to just hold on to it and aren't unearthed arcanas where they float their cool ideas and people give them feedback and that's what it could be. Uh, and then when something goes, gets enough feedback and they're confident in it, release it with whatever thematic book is coming out. Though it's tough. It's tough because they can't really release the new ideas out on a fast enough basis for that to really justify all these testing. You know, I think I think you're right. It is hard to get everything out on time and still have it be well tested. And, you know, if, if it's going to be a rolling release schedule like this with the material, yeah. they should drop it all at once if they wanted to do it. I mean, ha- before this edition, how much would they actually playtest things like publicly? Like that, this is a new fifth edition thing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Ne- never on this wide a scale. Yeah, so it's like it, they're trying new stuff out, and it's nice to be involved in it all, you know, to actually check out these new builds and you know redo, redone ranger classes, which are awesome, and actually get to play around with it. You know, it's there's probably I wouldn't be surprised even if a lot of it never even gets published. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. So anything that has too negative a reaction will probably just get buried, uh, and they won't put out. And this is great. This is a great way to see that. That's the whole point of this thing. Uh, well, we certainly want to know what you guys think about Unearthed Arcana overall. Uh, again, go hit us up over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Uh, gentlemen, I think that is going to do it for the roundtable this week. Where can people find you, Rudy Basso? Hey, you can listen to Alex and my podcast, D&D V&G. Our last episode was, of course, about Sword Coast Legends. Don't play Sword Coast Legends. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, <laughs> listener. And uh, where can people find you, Alex Basso? Yeah, you can also find me on the podcast, as Rudy mentioned, and at my Twitter, at Yo underscore Alex Basso. I wasn't looking that up as I said it out loud. I I tweet. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he will at the very least retweet things that Rudy and I tweet at him. Yeah, if you tweet at me, I'll retweet it probably. Uh, there you go. And I added a profile. Nice. Ooh. And before we go, there's a final quick segment that we've started doing here on the roundtable. 
We're highlighting a different DMs Guild product every week to give designers a chance to shine. This week's highlighted DMs Guild product is Hex Crawling, Wilderness Exploration and Random Encounters. This little supplement is amazing. It's 15 pages packed with awesome. If you use Hex Crawls in your game, you are going to want this thing. There's tons of advice In fact, you know what? Even if you don't use hex crawls, there's tons of advice and science and theory and art on building random encounter tables. There is a hex map in there for you to use, ready to go. A system for exploration that combines the best of 5th edition's elegance with old school hex crawling. Look, if you played Isle of Dread, you need this thing. And this product is, of course, by Neuron Phaser. Go check it out. We have a direct link for this product in the show notes for this episode over at thetomeshow.com. It is called Hex Crawling, Wilderness Exploration, and Random Encounters from the DMs Guild. I'd like to thank my panelists, Rudy and Alex Basso. All right, everyone, you can find me on Twitter at James Intercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games there. I'm talking full adventures, monsters, magic items, backgrounds, all kinds of goodies that you should check out. And it's all free. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. And thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.